0: Great stuff. Hey, we've been having a wonderful time the last couple of weeks. It's been talking about money. Hasn't that been great? Let me enjoy that. And Don't freeze up on me. Come on now. Don't freeze up on me. <laughs> I want to speak on generosity today. Generosity. And uh, I've been learning as I've been going. You know, I haven't spoken on money for years, really. And yet Jesus spoke on it so much, so many times. You know, uh, a large percentage of what Jesus taught and spoke about was stewardship and managing natural things and uh but when we start talk money immediately people tend to freeze up. So let's go back where we started in Matthew six twenty four and we said and it's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. And then it says uh in verse twenty four No one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so we see God is a spirit, mammon is a spiritual power. And we look through and talk that money itself doesn't have power, but the spirit behind it does. And so the Bible is very clear in Jesus' teaching that we it's impossible to serve both. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't have money. In fact, actually, you can be a great blessing if you have money. And uh, you can have a lot of money and be no blessing to anyone. You can have very little money and be a great blessing to people. It's not the amount of money. It always has to do with the heart. And so we saw, as we read on this whole thing about the spirit of mammon, we, we saw that there is a battle, a spiritual battle for your heart. And there is a conflict between money and the values placed on money, and money, what money uh, seems to be able to do. And we saw that that is like an illusion, because we have seen many people that have had much money, and yet they didn't have what money seemed to promise, uh, health and prosperity and every good thing. It just seems like it still eludes them. And uh, so we looked at that and saw uh, that uh, Jesus taught very specifically about us placing God first. Last week we talked about seeking first the kingdom of God, putting God first in our money. And then as we honour God first in our finances, then the rest is set apart. So I want you to just, uh, we're going to look and uh, just go over, and we're in Matthew 5 verse 17. Jesus said, do not think I came to destroy the law of prophets, I didn't come to destroy but fulfil. Now, so Jesus is saying to people who thought he was going to do away with the Old Testament, do away with the Bible. And he's saying, don't think that I'm going to do away with it. See, I'm not going to destroy what was in the Old Testament. There's many things in the Old Testament. But he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fulfill them. Or, he, or in other words, he's saying this. He said, you have the Old Testament. I'm not going to take it away. I'm going to teach you and show you what its true intent was. And I'm going to show you how you work it out in your life. So you don't live under law, but you live in a new realm of the Spirit under the grace and favor of God. Now, the dilemma for us as Christians, of course, is we tend to pick up the bit of the law and the bits that suit us, and we'll apply it and say, that I'm going to live under that. But we're called to live in a different dimension now we're in the new covenant. For example, Jesus uh, didn't do away with all he said. Notice his statement there that I've come not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. So he goes down and then he begins to talk. He says, verse 21, you heard it said to those of old, old, you shall not murder. So don't kill or don't murder was an Old Testament commandment. So how many people have killed someone here? Okay, so we're doing pretty good. But Jesus said, I want you to understand that it's not a matter of the letter of this thing. Actually, there's a heart motive behind it. And he said, I'm raising the standard. I'm telling you what this really means. It's not about whether you've murdered someone. It's a matter of whether you keep your heart free of anger and hate against people. He said, I want to lift you to a different dimension. Does that make sense there? Then he talked about the area of adultery. And uh, so he says, and he said uh, in verse uh, 27, adultery of the heart. He's talking about, you've heard it said to, the, to those of old, by those of old you shall not commit adultery. So one of the commandments, ten commandments, do not commit adultery. So I won't put that question out because there may be one or two half, have. Uh, so we won't put that question out. But he's talking about the act of adultery. But he's saying, I'm telling you something different. He said, I am raising it up and showing you how God intended this to be fulfilled, that you'd not have lust in your heart and lust after someone. Because if you've got lust operating in your heart, adultery is already present. So you notice now, he hasn't done away with the law He's lifted up an understanding of what it really means. the idea? Now, we have to understand that when you look at the Old Testament, uh, some of the laws were laws that were moral laws, some of them were civil laws and so on. And the dilemma for us is, well, what do we do and how do we handle it? But if you see here, Jesus lifted the, the level of expectation up. So, for example, concerning circumcision in the Old Testament, all the children, descendants of Abraham, were to be circumcised. Now, in the New Testament, in Galatians, it tells us circumcision is of the heart and spirit. It's not a physical circumcision. Otherwise, the moment you become a Christian, we've got to circumcise you. So, you see, we're not under that. There's a fulfillment that comes by the spirit. And that fulfillment is a circumcision of the heart where you have a heart change. Because people cannot murder someone but have hate in their heart. People can not commit adultery but have lust in their heart. People can be physically circumcised but still have no faith in Christ. you get any idea of what it means, the fulfilment of the law? So then we start to look then at the issue of tithing. In the Old Testament, and we won't go into all the details, I just want to catch the spirit of this. The Old Testament said give a tithe to the Lord. Why would we come back just under the letter of that when we come under the letter in no other area? You see, what he's really saying in the New Testament is, I don't want your heart to be in conflict with God over the issue of money. I want you to be free. So in the New Testament, he raises it up. Tithing was the letter of the law. He says, I want you to have a generous heart. And almost all New Testament teaching concerning giving has to do with the heart attitude, generosity, willing heart, free willing. Remember what I said when we taught on this area of, uh, of uh, mammon we talked on the area of giving we said it required it came out of a heart that honored God had faith in God was thankful to God and was willing and whatever you give them is acceptable to God if the heart is right because it's possible for people to tithe diligently like the Pharisees did but have no heart for God nor trust them in any financial area in fact the Pharisees were quite covetous yet they tithed so, when it comes to the area of tithing, it's not just a matter of physically or literally tithing every carrot and every turnip and every apple. It's actually having a heart free from greed and being full of thanksgiving and generous. Because I know many Christians who will diligently tithe, but generosity isn't in their life. It's like saying, well, I haven't murdered anyone, but I've got all this hate sitting in my heart and that's okay. Or I haven't committed adultery yet or been caught out caught out but I've got all this lust going on in my heart but that's okay. No, 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 no. Jesus lifts it all in the New Testament to say we're under a new covenant and it has to do with the heart and the spirit. So we're not caught with the letter of the law. That's why I've never commanded or demanded and told people they must tithe. We talk about honour and first fruits and giving to God and being generous is the thing that flows. It must come from the spirit. Now, clearly... If tithing was in the Old Testament and every other realm of the Old Testament law was lifted to a higher level, clearly our giving is going to come to a different level than it was in the Old Testament. We won't be stuck with the letter of the law. We have a new realm. It's called a realm of generosity and giving. It's a lifestyle. Any chance to think about that? I know I can hear the whirring going on right now. But it's true. So I want to just talk about generosity. And so let's have a look in John chapter 12. John 12. Generosity. Six days, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. That's where Lazarus was. And they made him a supper and Martha served and Lazarus was one of those who sat at table with him, and Mary took a pound of costly, that word costly, can underline that, costly oil of spikenard, and he, she anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why isn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he's the thief, and he had the money box, and he used to steal. How about that? Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this day for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but me you do not always have. All right, firstly, we just need to have an understanding of the word generous, what generous means. Generous means literally this to, liber- to be liberal in your giving. It means to be unselfish. It means to be free from any kind of meanness or smallness. That is to be generous. To be generous is... Is illiberal. It's an attitude of heart that shows up in every area of your uh, life, including finances. The word which is the opposite to generous is the word selfish. Selfish. Uh, Other words that mean the same, selfish, you could say mean, stingy, withholding. Those kind of words. You know some people like that? Mean, stingy, withholding. So what's in their heart? flows over their money, and it's always mean, stingy, reluctant to give. Another word we use is tight. Some Christians are so tight. And it's in every area of their life. It's never just in the money, but it shows up in the money first. It's an issue of heart. Now, think about this. We're born selfish, not generous. You notice with children, they're not born generous? All of your parents got little children there. Mine! It's mine. You don't hear them saying, I'd love to give it to you. You never hear a child saying that. Mine. 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 (laughs) It's a shame if you're a Christian for a few years and it's still, mine, mine. Come in and someone sat in your seat. That's mine. (laughs) This is what goes on someone parked in your car park that's mine mine so mine is what we're born with it takes a work of the spirit to be generous it takes a work of the spirit to stop us being selfish that's the whole deal so 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 we've got a battle against uh, selfishness and meanness all the time the first thing you think this is not enough for me i need to hold on to it that's what goes on we know it happens And you see there, we see it with children, and sometimes we grow up and we're still the same. It's still about me and mine. Now, selfishness originated with Satan. It's a trait in human nature that has demonic origin, demonic roots. You think about uh, Satan or Lucifer saw what God had and he wanted it to become his. He said, it's mine, it's going to be mine. I will arise, I will go see it, I will, it will be mine. And then after he fell... Everyone that's connected with him, it's the same thing. Mine, mine. And it's all about me and mine. And we, we understand that. We, we, we learn to live with that. See? Now, you notice here that generosity has exposed the heart of the mean person. So notice, and uh, I, uh, uh, I remember a funny situation that happened to me years ago. I won't identify where it happened, but uh, I was part of a leadership team. I was pastoring and uh, there, was, uh, there were three people on the team and, and one of the guys felt God leading him to go to Australia on, and a speaking engagement. And, uh, and uh, it, so anyway, he said, I must feel God doing that. And I felt God say, donate to him. So I said, oh, that's wonderful that God's put it in your heart. And you're going there. I'd love to give you $100 towards your fear. And there was a stunned silence and then an angry reaction from someone who coveted what was happening and was angry, why should he have that? Isn't that interesting. So generosity exposes selfishness. Now, you notice that Mary does the totally unexpected. She comes in there, breaks that alabaster box of oil. We'll come into that and how costly that is in a moment. Break, pours it over Jesus. Now, she's extravagant, not with just the money. You notice that she's on her knees and she's washing with her hair, wiping the hair and the oil and the dirt and she's weeping. That is extravagant. And the mean person, selfish person, you know what? We shouldn't waste so much money on this kind of thing. We should really sell that sort of thing and give it to the poor. You heard people say that? I, I remember I was trying to get a church, uh, order, uh, trying to get a school facility going. And uh, I thought... I had one of those lights. This is the principal's office, This is where everyone comes in. And there was one of those Chinaman lights, you know, those little sort of things that are like that, and just the little wee light bulb thing. And I thought we need to get something. So I went around looking. I went a lot of time to try and find something that would be attractive and represent the Lord and what we're doing well, and yet wouldn't be excessively expensive. And I got something that was $35. How about that? And the same person that erupted over the giving, Erupted over that, and I'd actually given it. Generosity exposes meanness, and the comment that mean people say is, "Oh, it shouldn't be wasted on that. It shouldn't be wasted on something that I'm as Shouldn't be wasted on a bill. It shouldn't be wasted on. It. It shouldn't be wasted on. It. You know what? We should give it to this person who's in need." Now, when people start to talk like that, you know what? Th- you ask the question, "How much are you giving?" Because inevitably, coming out of a selfish heart. A heart that's mean, a heart that's not generous, it's a heart that's locked up. Jesus, it says, says, he said that not because he cared for the poor, but because he was missing out on an opportunity to put his finger in and get a little bit for himself. Selfishness, greed, coveting, that's what was in his heart. And isn't it interesting, the extravagant generosity of one person exposed immediately how tight the other one was. And he should have just thought, wow, that's great. Man, I need to learn from that and be inspired to be more generous. Instead of that, he had to attack the generosity and say, that is a waste. It shouldn't be done. Isn't that amazing? You notice how the world continually will attack the church over the issue of tithing? Whether, whether the tithing right or on, zero. They attack it because they can't handle that someone would give so much. Why are you doing that? This is a poor person. Why should I be doing this and this is... Well, it's because it's actually an issue of the heart and of generosity and you're just flushing up your own meanness. I remember when Brian Tamaki was interviewed on the... and they were going on about his car and about his house and whatever and he said, well, I've worked all my life. I've invested. I've saved. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't gamble. I've, wouldn't I expect to have something for all of that? And I've been generous and given Wouldn't I expect to have something to show for all of that? And it was hard for them to concede. It's just meanness and selfishness hates generosity. It reacts. And that's what, that's, what, that's what this guy did. He just reacted in the presence of the generous giving. <laughs> reacted in the presence of the generous giving. So, so, And the thing is, he was a thief and he had the money box. Here's the most amazing thing. He had the money box. Jesus gave him the money box. Did Jesus know he was a thief? Yes. Why did he give him a money box then? Give him a chance to walk through temptation and come out the other side victorious god will always place things in our path that'll give us an opportunity to reveal what's in our heart and he with it will never allow us to be tempted above what we're able to make a way for you through it so i can tell you now every one of us faces temptations around the area it's just a matter of what we're showing up whether we're faithful with our money then we can be trusted with true riches now, the next thing you notice about it is that generosity is extremely extravagant. Now, I did the maths on this. I don't know whether I got them right. But you notice it says she gave oil of spikenard and i worth, uh, a 300 denarii. Now, one denarii or one denarius is a day's wage. So, what would a day's wage be worth in New Zealand? Maybe $100, something like that? So $100. So, that means she gave 300 days' wages. That's almost a whole year's wages. Now, what would you think if someone gave a whole year's wages to the Lord? You shouldn't do that. But you see, she had a heart that was just abounding in generosity and gratitude to the Lord. No one told her to do it. She just did it because she wanted to express her love. She was extravagant. Now, when you look through the Bible, you'd be surprised how many extravagant ravagant people there are in the Bible, and and I I had a look at a couple of them there, for example, David, it tells us in David in 1 Chronicles 29, it says that when David came to prepare for the house of God, out of his own money, his own purse, he gave 3,000 talents of gold, and he gave 7,000 talents of silver, so a talent of gold represents, uh, let's see if I can work it out here, I've got it here, it's uh, 700... uh, Anyway, talent of gold is just over a thousand ounces of gold, and gold is just over two thousand ounces uh, two thousand dollars an ounce. Imagine that. He gave three thousand times one thousand, there's three million, times what the price of God. Whoa, now we're talking big money here. We're talking billions. Billions of dollars out of his own wealth he gave to the house of God. And he said, Of our, of your own we have given to you. Now here's a man who walked in grace he, there's no tithing thing for him he's a man of generosity a man of a big heart a man who knew what God he had in his heart to build God a house you know what God didn't even tell him to build the house God said you're not even going to build it he said never is I did so great I've got to do something and he gave and he gave billions to the work of God what about uh, Solomon his son Solomon his son at the dedication of the temple required, the required offering was one awesome Instead, he gave a thousand oxen. You can imagine people saying, what? The law only requires one. How come you gave more than one? Oh, I am so glad. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring a thousand of these bullocks along. Bring it all on. I'm going to give God the greatest offering. He asked for one. You watch this. I've given him a thousand. Because I can't outgive God. Look at what he's given me. And Isn't it interesting that that same night God appeared and said, ask what you want and I'll give it to you. And he said, hmm. Now, if he was like a lot of Christians, he would probably say, well, I've given to God, now I've got to get something back. Okay, now I have a thousand. Okay, well, let's see a hundredfold. All right, a hundred thousand oxen back. Now, he didn't do anything that. He said, God, he said, and notice this. Notice this, and you'll see this connection. He said, I want a hearing heart and an understanding heart and the ability with wisdom to lead people. And heaven was silent because his value is on true riches. And then God spoke. He said, Because you've asked this thing, He said, I'll give you not only that, I will add to you all the riches, all the wealth that you could ever possibly want. So his heart was set on true riches, and it was revealed by his generosity. And God just said, I just can't help it. I've got to add all this stuff in. Remember what it says? Seek first the kingdom of God, and the rest is added in. And it frees the life from anxiety and stress, and law, and how much is, you know, we don't want to get into that kind of thing, okay, so now of course there's heaps of other people, there's the widow in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings 17, who gave the last meal, now that would make a great story for the media, wouldn't it, eh, prophet come and ask the last meal off this poor widow, how horrible, that God had already given a direction, and as a result of her responding prophetically to what God said, she came into an abundant supply for a whole year, so it goes on, think about Abraham, who gave up his only son, can you imagine what that meant? Imagine giving up your only son. I mean, he's nearly 100 years old. He's given up his own son. But he had faith and competence in God. He gave because God spoke to him about that giving. And he doesn't speak to us that way. Not like that. And, uh, but Jesus, what about Jesus? God gave his own son. I mean, there's a, see, God so loved the world. I mean, you can hardly love the person next to you. Let alone love the world. You understand in India and look at the millions of people and you look and you see the crowd and hope they'll go by. But God says, everyone, I know them by name. I love them. God is so generous. What's the best thing I could give in heaven? Should I send? I know what I'll send. I'll send a legion of angels to save the world. No, 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 That no, may not be enough. I'll send a few more angels. No, no. I know what I'll do. I'll send what's the most precious and dear to me. I'll give the most extravagant, expensive gift, my son. See, you can never outgive God. God is so generous. It's, a, it's, the, it's the nature of the kingdom to be giving. Now, the problem is we get caught up with this thing of the law. If I just do this, then God must do that. So if I just do this, God will do that. I do this, God will do that. I do this, and He didn't do it. What? He didn't do it. Why did He not come through for me? I sowed, I gave, I did this, I did that, God didn't come through for me. Why? And you get angry at God and resentful of all that kind of stuff. I want to show you that this is not the spirit of giving that the Bible talks about. And let's just go through and look at one more thing in this, in John 12. Now, notice here, firstly, the motivation for gratitude. Six days, uh, John 12, verse 1, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead. Her brother was dead. Not only dead, dead, he was dead, dead. He was buried and in the grave four days. And they said, he will be stinking by now, totally corrupted. All hope of anything is gone. And Jesus came and raised him from the dead. Now, she's been without her brother in mourning for four days, and suddenly her brother's restored. Oh, Jesus. My whole perspective has shifted. So what can I do? That alabaster box. I'll take that. And she extravagantly gave. Why did she give? Gratitude. Gratitude. No one told her to do that. If you were there, we'd tell her, take a tenth of it and give it to him. Come on, this is not about gratitude. This is about someone who has been blessed by God and is responding to being blessed by living and acting as a blessed person. That's what it's about. See, we get the thing, if I do this, God will bless me. Let me ask where you get that theology from. Where did you get to hear that? Because it's the law. The law says if I just do this, then God will do that. In Ephesians 1, it says, God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm not required to perform or do anything to get God's blessing. I am required, though, to believe. And in believing, my faith will be expressed through actions. Otherwise, you move out of a place of faith and trust in God and into a place of trying to manipulate him, I'll do this, and you've got to do that, and I'll give you this, you've got to give me that. This is not going to work. See, so she was full of gratitude. Notice in 2 Corinthians 9, we'll just quickly refer to that, then I'll get to the finish of this. I want to show you one thing about the giving. Notice in 2 Corinthians 9, notice how it says when it talks about giving. And it says, uh, <clears throat> verse 5, it says, Now, brethren, I thought to exert you, exhort you before ahead of time and prepare your generous gift before which you had previously promised, that it may be rather as a matter of generosity and not grudging obligation. In other words, he's saying, sort out your giving before I come. I don't want there to be any pressure and grudging obligation. He says, I tell you this, who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let anyone give, listen to this, as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or reluctantly or with his hand bent up his back, it means. God loves you to give out of a cheerful, glad and grateful heart. He he wants us to give that way. God is able to make all grace abound to you because this is the nature of grace. It just gives because that's what it is. And having all sufficiency, all things, you may have an abundance for every good work. So God makes it very clear in there that the motivation of all of our giving needs to be generosity and gratitude. I love God. I want to give. What can I give? You know, many people come to church on a Sunday. They come and think, what can I get out of the service? I'm not getting out of the service. Oh, you're already beaten before you start. Because you're coming to get. I come every Sunday to give. I come to give God something. Oh, i love to give Him and worship Him and give myself to Him. And I get blessed by this wonderful worship team we have and the way that Sue's can lead and bring us into the presence of God. And sometimes I think I just like to stay there. And I know people want a message, but I say, well, stay loving God. I'm enjoying this. It's giving. You come to give something to God. Okay there. Now, I want you to have a look here and we'll finish the last part here. The, the last thing is generosity is rewarded. God will always reward you if you're a generous person. But it's not the motivation for giving. I want you to have a look with me in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 31. Luke 6 verse 31. we use this as our last scripture. It's interesting when, when Judas and the others, and not only Judas, but the others all bothered Mary too. They all were critical of her, it says in Mark's version of that same story. And you said, Leave her alone. Leave her alone. He says, you know what? You're all having a whinge about generosity. He said, I'm going to make sure when the Gospels are written that her name is recorded, what she did and how much she gave, so everyone everywhere can read it. There's not very many times in the Bible that someone's name and what they gave is recorded so everyone reading could read it. She's rewarded with true riches. She's given honour by Jesus, which extends into every nation of the earth, wherever the Gospels preach, every nation... It'll be proclaimed, this was a great woman with a great heart and a generous heart, and Jesus liked what she did. And not only that, he was not impressed with the miserable thief. Okay, okay now let's have a look at this. I want you just to see this. This is really important, Jesus' teaching and giving. And if you can understand this, and then we'll finish up just with a simple just challenge for us all. Okay, in Luke chapter 6, and Jesus is teaching, this is the, king, is the parables of the kingdom. He's teaching the Sermon on the Mount, it's how the kingdom operates. Now look at this, just watch this. He said, <clears throat> verse one, uh, 31, And just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. Okay? Just as you want people to do to you, you do that to them. You got it? That's, we call that the golden rule. Alright, let me ask you this. Do you want people to give to you, and they've got a hidden hook in it, so that after they've given you're now manipulated and have to give something back. Is that what you want? Nobody likes that. You feel ripped off. You thought it was a gift and then it turns out it was a trade. The world system operates on trading. I give you something, you give me something back. Hopefully it's better than what I had or at least it's worth the same same amount. So the the world system works on trading. Now you notice this, that the world system is so embedded in trading that if you were to operate on a different system and I say, I want to give to you, the first thing he says, what's in it for you? And if I say to him, nothing. He says, can't be true. There must be something in it for you. Now, why is he talking like that and saying like that? Because he's so filled with the world system that no one gives anything for nothing. There's always a reason and a motive and an agenda. That's called trading. Trading, you give one thing and you receive something back. The kingdom principle, as Jesus demonstrates... It's very simple. We look at it in here, and he talks about giving and receiving. Now, look at this. He said, now, you wouldn't like people to do that for you. And do you think God likes it when it's done that way either, by the way? I'm going to be nice to you today and pray because I need something. It's not relationship. It's mean. It's selfish. Manipulative. Okay. I can remember I had someone I, I, I knew. It. And once in a while, this person would come up and give us a gift. And in the end, I cottoned on. Because always, two days after the gift, was a request which I couldn't turn down. And I didn't tweak to her because I never give with that kind of expectation. It kind of caught me by surprise. And everything, I'd get tra- every time I'd get caught, I'd think, well, that's nice, so kind of you. Thank you very much. But what I thought was just a gift. And what she was thinking was a trade. I'll give you this tomorrow. I'll be back for something you'll have to do for me. And what can you do? You've just been given Now You kind of, ah, oh, you feel that manipulative thing get around your soul. It's horrible. I hate it. I've learned now to say no. But however, so notice what he says here. Here's, here's the principle here. If you love those who love you, what grace is upon you? Sinners love those who love them. In other words, he's saying this. If the only people you extend love and kindness to are those who have already given it to you, there's no grace. There's no kingdom life on that. A, an unsafe person will do that. Second thing he tells us then. He said, if you, uh, uh, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit or grace is that you even sinners do the same? What he's saying is if you do good and you only do good to the people who are doing good to you or something you want to get something back, there's no grace in that. There's no kingdom in that. And now look at this. He said, he said, if you lend to those from whom you hope to get something back, what grace is on your life? Even sinners lend to get something back. So now he's saying, but you, if you love your enemies, do good and lend. Now look at this, hoping for nothing in return. This is what defiles things when you give, hoping for something in return. If I just do this, I'll get this in return. That sets you up for resentment, disappointment and grief. And you'd be amazed how many people, Christians, Who eventually gave up, stopped walking with God because the core of their serving and giving was, I'm giving to get something back. And in doing that, they set themselves up when what they expected never came. It hurt them. Of course it hurt them. Rather than just dealing with a hard attitude, people take offence. Now, notice what it says here, love, do good. He says, and hoping for nothing in return. So he says, this is how you operate the kingdom. You actually become a generous person, giving with no him- no agendas. You sow, you give, you're kind, you do good, and there's no agenda whatsoever, including no agenda that I'm going to now talk you into coming to Jesus. No agenda. Full stop. No agenda. And notice what he says. He says two things. Notice the two things he says. Number one, your reward will be great. Giving with no agenda qualifies you for God to reward you greatly. Now, if I do something with an intention of getting a return and then you give me return, then I've had my reward. But if I can give and operate in the way Jesus gave, where he gave without trying to get anything back out of anyone, then I'm qualifying myself for God's reward. And it may come in eternity. It may come here and now. Some of it comes now. A lot of it comes in eternity. It's why Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. And he said, second thing is, you will be the sons of your father. Now, in other words, he's saying, when you can give without an agenda for yourself, you are acting like God. You truly are one of his sons. Because, you know, this: he's kind, the just and the unjust. I don't know whether you read that scripture, because the Christian thinking often goes along the line, God blesses the Christians, He doesn't bless the non Christians. That's not what the Bible says, is he blesses all people. Causes the rain to come on all people. So God, why does God do that? You see, now you see immediately for under the law we think that's not fair. I've been coming to church, I've been doing good, and I've been serving, I've given my fine, I've Don't sound like the older brother. And you never gave me an oxen to celebrate with my friends. So many Christians are caught in that old brother thinking rather than actually the extravagant grace that God gives because he's a giver and he wants us to become like that, giving because we're givers. I give because I'm a giver. I love to give. I just so love to give. I love to give. I want to give. I'm feeling right now like giving, feeling very generous right now. I actually am committed to generosity. That wasn't how I grew up. And it wasn't how I saw it modeled, but it's something that Joy and I have come to embrace when we learn how to trust God and lay everything down and just lean upon him. And then we learned how to be content, how to celebrate what we had even if it was little, and then as we got things, how to be generous. And I just love, we just love to be generous. So listen, I, like to, I just believe God's wanting to set people free today. Why don't we just have a great time now where the Holy Ghost comes and starts to touch us. He so, said, you know, I can feel the tension around talking in this area because that's... You know, that's because there's devils of poverty and hurt and pain and grief over funds. Would it would be great if we could just get free of all of that, just let God touch us and help us today. What I'd like to do is I wonder if there are any single parents in the church today. I'd like to pray for you first. Single parents in the church today, you are struggling financially right now. If you're a single parent and you're struggling right now, would you like to just come right up to the front now? We just want to bless you in a moment. Why don't you come? Single parents and you're struggling financially. This is just a pressure on you. It worries you. It's stressing you out and whatever, and, uh, and, you know, wants you to be free of some of that. Come on. Let's come on up. Let's come on. Who else have we got here? There we are. Single parents, and you're stressing like that. All right, then, there we go. How many have we got there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Great. That's fantastic. And I wonder if we've got uh, uh, a couple with a a young family, and you're under great pressure right now. A couple with a young family, and you're under great pressure right now. We've got a couple it has got a young family, and you're under just a lot of financial pressure and stress right now. If that's you, why don't you make your way to the front right now? We want to pray and bless you. Anyone here in that situation? Come on then. Fantastic. That's the way. Come on up. Praise the Lord. Good on you. It's not easy to kind of just come and say that I've got need and difficulty, but I'm just so glad you did that. So just come and hold hands together. Oh, fantastic. There you go. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? All right, now we're just going to just, we want blessing to come. Amen? Everyone want blessing to come. And we know it's a very hard time. And uh, <clears throat> so you notice in my, in my language I said that we wanted you to come up, and that's not easy for you to do that, just honour you for responding today. And uh, we said we wanted to pray for you and bless you. Now, praying for you and blessing you can be two different things. And so the first thing I want to do is bless you, then we'll all pray for you. Amen. So join joy to come up with me? And what I did, this is I felt the Holy Ghost, whenever I talk about generosity, I can't not be generous. You've got to be generous so what you didn't know when asked you to come up that was going to be generous to you and so we want to just bless you so I'll just get my wallet out if I get it out of here there we go we're down and we just uh, raided the savings today I just want to bless you I'll take this couple here I'll bless you there you go that's $50 bless you a, do something for your family eh? there we go we've got another couple here God bless you God loves you God's a generous God. He wants to bless you in not only financial ways. He wants to really help you and touch you and bless your life. And you're a great person. I know you go through some that said, we've got one for you too. There you go. Look at that. Bless you. There you go. There you go. Now it must be difficult being a single dad, eh? Challenges. Well, there God wants to bless you and help you with that, eh? won't solve all your problems, but it'll be a great start just to bless you and I want you to know that God is generous. God loves you. And here we go. There you go. You're facing all these battles and challenges. But you know God loves you. There it is. $50 for you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, and all those boys to look after. I hope you make them more work and do something. <laughs> but I know it's been a great challenge for you. God loves you. He wants to bless you too. Here you go. Here you go. There's $50 for you. Bless you. There we go. Praise the Lord. Hello. Amen. God loves you. He understands the pressure you've been under. He just wants you to know today He loves you. He's a generous God. Here you go. Here's something. $50 for you. That'll help you out just a little bit, eh? There you go. Praise the Lord. Hey. Hey, You're a great person. I see your church and you're just so full of joy and so full of serving God. And uh, I love you, and we we just appreciate what you do. Anyway, here's a blessing, $50 for you too. eh? How about that? God loves you. He wants to bless you. Teenage girl. There we go. Jenny, it's been an easy road for you either, hasn't it? But God loves you, and he's been providing. You're a great girl, you know. You've done a great job. It hasn't been easy. Had challenges. There you go. Here's $50 from the Lord with love, from Jesus with love. There we go.
1: You're probably feeling
0: that by the end of the line has you got enough to do it. Yeah, I've got enough to do it. <laughs> God bless you. There you go. Here we are, fifty dollars. Jesus loves you. Give her a big hug. Good on you, mate. presence of God here when we give
1: so, and I'm not wanting to get anything back we're just giving, just giving One, two, we love to give I, I really um, in the spirit world I can feel the angelic very much on what's going on here I really feel like there's a platform opening up for our congregation and our people to sow into these people here I really feel like the generosity that Mike and Joy has shown has opened up a door that needs to be followed by people and and what I want to do is I just want to invite you, if you have some cash on you, I want to invite you to come up and just put it on the floor over here. And what we will do as a leadership is we will distribute it to these people. I really feel like we need to do something here in the Holy Spirit. This is something God's sitting on, and we need to be doing this. And so I just want to open it up for you. Just There's a platform. Just come and put it before Mark and Joy. If you can just um, if you just want to stand over there, just come and put it before Mark and joy. Let's just lay this before the Lord. I really feel like the platform that God wants to bring from the body of Christ to these people is to bring blessing to them and to release the glory of God in the middle of this thing. Father, we want to receive this today. If you want to write out something an IOU and you don't have cash in you, then please do that. If you don't honor it, I will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, so see, this is what, in the spirit world, in the kingdom world, this is called trading. Where you take something of your life and you give it to God as an honorary and as an offering to Him to sow into the lives of people who have been struggling. The Bible says, you know, we lessen an imbecile if we don't take care of those, even in our body, that are suffering like this. And I really feel in times like this that it's important to do what's needful from the house to engage the kingdom. And if, if you've given, what I would really love you to do is just to come and stand behind and beside one of these yeah. people. Just, just, we just need to get around them because this is body ministry. Mm. Just come and get around them. I just want some, some of you folks who have given just to come and get around some of these people.
0: Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. We set up a fund in the church, which uh, learned ministers, which is specifically for this purpose, um, just for helping people with there's stress and pressure and helping them in time of need. So, I well, wonder, we've just got these ones here that have come up and they'll be overwhelmed with the love of God. All you can feel like you want to do is just cry because you feel the heart of God when we give to those around us and those that particularly among us who desperately have need. And uh, so let's just reach our hands out to them all right now. Let's bless them. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the generosity of people in the house. Thank you, Lord, for the generosity that's in this church. Lord, we just ask you that you would pour your blessing on each couple, each person that's come out. That, Lord, today there'll be some bills paid, power bills paid, food supplied. that each one will have an abundance. Lord, we just thank you that you've enabled us to give like this. We just thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We can never outgive your generosity. We can never outgive your generosity. And so, Lord, today we thank you. And Father, we just pray release of financial blessing to each one of these ones here. Now, uh, Sergeant, what I'll need to do is to get you to get a pad and pen. And if each of the people that came up and responded to the old call today, please come over and give Sergeant your name and a contact. So after. Uh, added up and, and worked out what we've got here, we can make sure that the, uh, it's divided equally and goes to you. Amen? What I'd like you to do is to uh, indicate uh, if you've got a child or how many children you've got, and we'll take that into account, I think, as we do it as well. Amen? Well, there's something else, isn't it? Come to church and they're giving money away. That's unusual, isn't it, eh? Whoever heard of such a thing? But w- we have to break this thing that gets around our mind that all God wants to do is take. God wants to give. God is an abundant giver. God is a generous God. Angels rejoice when we show kindness on those who are in need. Amen. So please give your name to Sergeant. Don't go back without giving your name. Give him your name. Give him your contact details. There we are, Sergeant. Make sure you get all the names. Every person, don't sit down until you've given them the name. See, we'd love if he just led us to worship God. Why don't we just give a generous worship to God As we finish with this last song. We love the Lord and we want to honor Him today and just express our gratitude. There's one of those songs I can't remember that goes up it's got to read. Holy is it honor or give me don't
1: know.
0: Come on let's just stand shall we? Let's just stand take someone's hand next to you if you feel comfortable to do that. Let's finish and just worship the Lord and honor Him today. Your Father, we thank you for May City. Thank you for this church. We speak now and decree an open heaven. We decree a release over our families, a release over our lives, a release financially. We speak a release of grace, release of hearts in Jesus' mighty name. As your word is spoken,
1: redemption